think I heard some slaps of the high fives there. That's awesome. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I love Sundays. I, I love coming to church. I just love it. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Ryan West. I'm the congregational care pastor here. This is the uniform they give me to wear as congregational care pastor. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm also the Royal Ranger director here at Church of the Savior. You may have seen some guys in uniform uh, greeting you. Uh, if you don't know what Royal Rangers is, it's a, uh, it's, it's a mentoring program for boys, men, uh, ages K through 12, and our mission is to evangelize, equip, and empower the next generation of Christ-like servant leaders, men modeled after Jesus Christ in our world. How many of y'all know that's a really, really important thing in this day and age? We start back up August 30th. You can find information for that online. Let's pray one more time. Father, thank you so much for your presence. Lord, thank you for your word that is true infallible, impeccable. I pray today, Lord, that you teach us from your word. Reveal your truth to us today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Hebrews chapter 11, you don't have to turn there if you don't want to. We're going to start there, but then we're going to go to Judges. Hebrews chapter 11 is also is often called uh, the faith chapter, uh, the hall of faith, the champions of faith chapter. And I'm going to read you verses 32 through 34. And I just want you to listen to the accomplishments that these people of the faith did. And you can accomplish as well. You can be a champion of the faith. Starting in verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, and the prophets. Now listen to this. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, Stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. That's a pretty amazing list of accomplishments. Now today we're going to talk about one of these names. We're going to talk about Gideon. Judges chapter 6, chapter 7. You can turn there if you want. And one of the things that impresses me so much about Gideon and others throughout the Bible is that Gideon was an ordinary man. He was a common man, and God used him mightily. Now, as we talk about people that God uses, I have a question for you. Would you like to be used by God? Would you really like to be used by God? Saying it's one thing and then actually doing something about it is something completely different. Another question. Will it make any difference that you lived? Will it make a difference that you lived? What is your life ultimately counting for? Do we have any Peanuts, any Charlie Brown fans in the room? 
Charles Schwartz loved peanuts. Well, in one of the comic strips, Lucy's sitting at her, you know, five cents for a conversation, her, you know, her booth, whatever. And Linus is bugging her saying, Lucy, tell me a story. Tell me a story. Tell me a story. Well, finally she gets fed up and says, you want to hear a story? A man was born. He lived. He died. And she got up and walked away. And Linus sits there for a minute pondering and then goes, hmm, kind of makes you wonder, don't it? Is that going to be true of your life? He was born. He lived. He died. You draw breath, go to school, go to work, get married, have kids, get them married, have grandkids, draw a pension, a 401k. You live to exist, exist to live, and then you die. Is that what your life is going to be? You're going to be like Willie? Willie was a man. He died and somebody came up and said, Ooh, I want to apply for Willie's job. I I want Willie's vacancy. The owner said, Willie didn't leave a vacancy. Are you going to leave a vacancy when you leave? What will your life ultimately count for? So what kind of people does God use? Well, in Judges chapter 6 and 7, we see the life of Gideon, one of the champions of the faith. Now, a little bit of background here, briefly. This is dark days. You know, I think one of the most famous verses in Judges is, there was no king and everybody did whatever they pleased. The devil, the enemy, is roaring like a lion. He's prowling. And the enemies of God are gaining victory after victory. And it seems that the people of God have thrown in the towel. And there's a problem. I think it's a problem in Gideon's day, and I think it's a problem today. And that is, the people of God have hunkered down inside our safe four walls and resigned ourselves to simply hold the line. Just hold the line. Just hold the fort. Just hunker down and wait for Jesus to return. That's Fort Sumter. I got to go there last week in Charleston. It was a bucket list of mine. I wonder how many times when they were being sieged did they yell, Hold the line! Hold the fort! The cry of the church is no longer onward Christian soldier. It's hold the line. Hold the fort. And what's happening, and it's not just in society, it's inside the four walls of the church, is that objective truth, objective morality, and objective reality are walking out the door. And it's being replaced With relative truth, well, I can have my own truth. It's being replaced with relative morality. Well, that's right for me. It may be wrong for you, though, but it's right for me. And it's being replaced with relative reality. I am whatever I perceive myself to be. But from God's perspective, nothing has changed. Because God's word defines truth. God's word 
defines morality. God's word defines reality. There is truth and there is falsehood. There is moral and there is immoral. There is fact and there is fantasy. And unfortunately, and it's happening all over the place, again, not just in society, in the church, is the anthem of the church is, let's just be all-inclusive and unproblematic. And the same lies, orchestrated by the father of lies, that he used in the garden, are starting to be believed in the church today. Did God really say that? Did he really say that? Is this really the infallible word of God? Or maybe just some of it's true. Because, you know, it won't kill you. God won't judge you. God is love. That's what the Bible says. And that's true. But it's a half truth. Because he's also holy. And he's also just. And he must punish sin. And probably the biggest lie that's being believed is you can be just like God. You can have your own moral code. You can have your own truth because it's whatever you perceive it to be. And another lie that's being believed in the church is, well, God doesn't have the power that he used to have. He can't do the things that he used to do. That's what Gideon said. We're going to read about it. Where are all the miracles? Well, that was just back for then. That's not for now. God doesn't have the power to save multitudes, shake cities, turn the world upside down. God's old. He's sick. And he's feeble. His hand can't move. His eyes can't see. His ears can't hear. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. God is still the same God of Scripture. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is who He is, and He can do what He says He will do. And there's not a shred of Scripture that says we can't have a mighty awakening in our time. Look what happened right down the street. A mighty outpouring of God's presence championed, praise God, by mainly the younger generation saying, Lord, we believe, we know you're the same God of Scripture. Do it again. I pray that's the cry of our heart. Do it again because we know you're the same God. Look at Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 11. And folks, we live in the greatest time ever. There has never been a greater day, a greater age, a greater time to live than this one. Why? Because we are one day closer to the return of King Jesus. The plan just went one step further. And we get to be a part of it. I mean, come on. He wants you and he wants me to be right smack dab in the middle of it. But the question is, is are you willing to walk the path that God's created for you? 
And God doesn't create second-rate paths. Only first-rate paths, if you choose to walk it. Starting in verse 11. Let's get to the text. Now, we see Gideon. He is hunkered down. He's holding the line. He's holding the fort. He's hiding. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under an oak, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash, the Abba Ezrite, while his son Gideon was beating wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. You don't beat wheat. You don't thresh wheat in the wine press. The threshing floor would have been up top on a hill. So when you thresh the wheat, you beat it. The chaff separates and the wind can blow it away. The wine press is down below because he's hiding. He's hunkered down. Verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Yours might say, O mighty warrior. Now, that's not what Gideon thought about himself. He's a fearful farmer. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has this happened? And listen to this. And where are the wonderful deeds? Where are all the miracles? That our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us, given us into the hand of the Midian. So many people today, oh, this world we live in, such a messed up world. And it is. Why can't things be the way they were 50 years ago? God must have turned his back on us. Gideon's trying to blame God. Gideon's waiting on God to do something. Folks, God's waiting on us to do something. Verse 14. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of the Midians. Do not I send you? And he said to him, this is Gideon, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. God says, Gideon, I got a job for you to do. You're a mighty warrior. You're a mighty man of valor. Gideon says, you're crazy. He says, do you realize who you're talking to? He says, my my family's the weakest. They're the poorest. I'm the run of the litter. I'm a nobody. There's no way God can use me. You all listen to me and listen to me closely. Shaking, wagging my finger today. Don't you dare. Don't you dare insult God by telling him that he can't use you. Don't you tell him I'm a nobody. Don't you tell him I'm just an ordinary Joe Schmo. Uh, Newsflash. We're all ordinary Joe Schmoes. But with God, he takes ordinary people, turns them into extraordinary people so they can accomplish extraordinary things for the kingdom. And I'm going to show you today that you, me, we can be in the Hall of Champions. We can be a champion of faith. Now, quickly, five characteristics of people that God uses. And number one is God uses common, ordinary people. We already read verses 14 through 16. I'm not going to go through it again, but that's the reference. 
Gideon is nothing more than a fearful farmer. But God says, no, 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 no. You are a man of valor. You are a mighty warrior. Why is this? God didn't see Gideon as he was. God saw Gideon as he could be with his power upon him. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We have the power. It is not in and who you are in yourselves. It's God in you. Verse 34, I love this. The Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. Yours might say came upon him. It's not necessarily the man. It's not necessarily the woman, but the power of God inside the man and the woman. The Spirit of God inside of you. Devil's not afraid of me. He's not afraid of you, but he's afraid of the Spirit of God in you. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 27, listen to this. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. In other words, you're not very educated. Not many were powerful, great and mighty warriors. Not many were of noble birth, born into high-class families. But God chose. Who chose? God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God takes folks like us, ordinary common people. It's not scholarship. It's relationship. It's not ability. It's availability. And it's not fame. It's faith. God wants to take ordinary people Call them to do extraordinary things. Make them extraordinary to accomplish things for the kingdom so God gets all the glory. I'm not sure if this is a true story or not, but apparently there was a man in New Jersey who said, I'm going to be playing uh, a concert on a very expensive violin. People bought tickets, they came to the concert, he put the violin up to his chin, started to play beautiful music, beautiful music comes out. And at the end, everybody applauds, and he, he takes a bow, and then he takes the violin, and he breaks it over his knee, he crushes it, and everybody gasps, why in the world would he do that? And then he walks over to another case, and he pulls out the expensive violin. And he starts to explain to the audience, that thing that I was playing on, that's just a cheap fiddle I bought for a few bucks. And he said, it's not so much the violin that plays the music, but the one who draws the bow. Ladies and gentlemen, we're just ordinary fiddles. But God makes the music in our lives. Common Ordinary people called to do extraordinary things because God makes us extraordinary.
Number two, this is probably the most important point. God uses cleansed people. Look at verses 25 through 26. That night the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold here, with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah you shall cut down. Now Baal, there's a picture of Baal. There's a picture of Baal with Asherah next to it. These were filthy fertility gods, a god of weather, of rain, lightning, and thunder. They committed children, child sacrifice to these gods, disgusting acts of fornication and sexuality. And I believe these are some of the same gods that have a hold of America today. Sex, perverse sexuality is everywhere. And if you look at nations in history, before they fell, there was always perverse sexual acts going on. Now, God told Gideon, take a bull, you chain it to the altar, you pull it down. And then you cut the Asherah pole down. And normally, Asherah was worshipped in a grove of trees. He says, cut the wood down, Use that wood for a fire and offer that second bull as a blood sacrifice. If you want God to use you, you have got to get the idols out of your life. And we live in one of the most idolatrous nations in the world. And you say, well, Pastor Ryan, we don't have statues and monuments made of stick and stone. That doesn't have to be an idol. What's an idol? Anything you love more, fear more, serve more, value more than God. That's an idol. You can make an idol out of your job and the money that you earn. Nothing wrong with that, but it can become an idol. Your education can become an idol. Relationships, another person can become an idol. The material things you gain can become an idol. Even a church, a ministry, a pastor, a teacher can become an idol in your life. So you ask yourselves and get gut level honest. Is there anything that I love more, fear more, serve more, value more than God? If so, you've got an idol in your life and you need to get rid of it. That was the problem with Gideon and those around him. Their lives were stained with sin. They'd forsaken their Lord and they were serving idols. Is there unconfessed, unrepented of sin in your life? You've got an idol somewhere. Is Jesus anything but number one? You've got an idol in your life somewhere. Maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. If so, you've got an idol in your life somewhere. God can't use you. Is your heart clean? Isaiah 52, 11 says, Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. Is Jesus number one? If he's not, you've got an idol in your life somewhere and God can't use you. Number three, God uses courageous people. Jump back to verse 12 in chapter 6. 
And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now, we don't use that word valor much anymore. It means courage. Here's another definition. Boldness or determination in facing great danger, especially in battle. Heroic courage. Bravery. God was going to use Gideon as a general. He said, blow the trumpet, sound an army. 32,000 people came to help deliver Israel from the oppression of the Midianites. Now, jump over to chapter 7. Go to chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand saved me. Now therefore... Proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 people returned. 10,000 remained. A 32,000 strong army went to 10,000. That's two-thirds of Gideon's army gone. Gideon says, Boys, look, if you're afraid, go home. I can't use you. I don't know if he expected 22,000 to go away. And you know what? God's not always impressed with the size of the camp. We can be many and not be much. God wants brave souls, courageous people. God's looking for people that can't be intimidated. The size of Gideon's army didn't impress God. And you know what? Fear fits us for failure, not fighting. Fear fits us for failure, not fighting. I tell people all the time, when you accept Christ, you're adopted into the family, but you're also enlisted in the army. You know, when I put this uniform on, I live it daily, but it reminds me to live by the Royal Ranger motto which is ready, ready for anything, ready to work, play, serve, obey, worship, live, and obey God's word. And that means be ready and dressed for battle. And we're given all the proper tools. We're given the proper armor. Read Ephesians 6. We're to put on the full armor of God every single day. Now, when I get home, I'm going to take this uniform I'm probably going to wash it. I'm getting a little hot up here. I'm going to iron it. I'm going to make sure it looks pristine and nice and clean. And I'm going to hang it up. But too many times when people get home from the day, they want to take off their pristine, shiny armor. When I get home at the end of the day, I want there to be chinks in my armor. I want my sword to need sharpening. I want to have to take it to the blacksmith. Who's the blacksmith? It's the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, I've been fighting. I've been in battle. I need you to fill me again. But too many people don't want that. I want my armor to be nice and neat and pristine. I want there to be evidence that I've been been courageous in battle. And do you know that fear is infectious? 
Deuteronomy 20, verse 8 says, Then the officers shall add, Is anyone afraid or faint-hearted? Let him go home so that his fellow soldiers will not become faint-hearted too. Fearful soldiers can't be used by God, and they infect others. You ever meet someone? Oh, there's no way that could ever be done. No way that could ever happen. That's a fearful person. Now, I'm not talking about normal fear, like being afraid of a rattlesnake or an airplane in bad weather. I lived in Minneapolis when I went to college. I used to go to Chicago, catch a connector, come down to Lexington. True story. I don't think I've ever been this fearful in my entire life. Little puddle jumper of a plane. If my seatbelt hadn't have been on, I'd have been on the top of that airplane, then on the bottom of that airplane. It's literally the first time I've ever seen anybody use those little puke bags. There were people throwing up. People were praying. I was praying. We thought we were going to die. I'd never been so happy to get off a plane. I'd probably kiss the ground. That's normal fear. Self-protecting instincts that God's put into us. You look both ways when you cross the street. You hold your child's hand when you cross the street. That kind of fear is like a summer thunderstorm that pops up and then it's gone. But the Bible talks about a spirit of fear. Do you know fear is a spirit? 2 Timothy 1.7. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. The spirit of fear is like a fog. It just lingers in the air and it's there all the time. It never goes away. If you are a child of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, you have been given a spirit of power. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. I heard a preacher say one time, I would rather be sentenced to death than preach without the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I agree 100%. We've been given a spirit of power. We've also been given the spirit of love. Love removes fear. The question is not, are you brave enough? It's, do you love enough? I'm a semi-courageous person, maybe a little bit. I like to think I am anyway. But I can tell you one thing. If you come against one of my loved ones, if you come against my wife, if you come against my soon-to-be-born baby boy, you're going to meet one of the bravest, most courageous men you've ever laid eyes on. And you want to know why? Because I love them. How much do you love the Lord? Power, love, and a sound mind. We have the mind of Christ. A sound mind means a mind that can't be stampeded. A mind that sees things how they are. Not afraid of phantom spirits and spooks. Won't be stampeded by the sinister minister of fear who is the devil. Get filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And you will be used by God and you will find yourself courageous. Number four, God uses cautious people. Now, this is not a contradiction. Look at verses four through eight in chapter seven. 
And the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And any one of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, shall go with you. And any one whom I say to you, This one shall not go with you, shall not. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go, every man to his home. So here's another test. It's hot in that valley. Gideon says, guys, come down to the brook, come down to the wadi, the river, and drink. So 10,000 men break rank and drink. Now some men, look at me, some men got all the way down and put their mouths all the way down to the water. Bible says the enemy was right on top of them. And we're going to read how big the army was. This is a very vulnerable position. My neck's exposed. My eyes are down. I can't see anything that's going on around me. But 300 men drank like this. Their eyes up, surveying, watching what was going on. They were cautious. There's a balance between courageous and cautious. Philippians 1.28 says, Don't be afraid in any way by those who oppose you. But 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We need to be cautious. We need to keep our heads on a swivel. We don't live in fear. But we realize that there is a cunning and a cruel adversary, and he wants to take us out. The Bible says, watch and pray. Peter said, I keep my body under, I buffet it. I don't give myself to things. I've had men tell me, you know, if I see some nudity on Netflix, it's no big deal. Take the Lord's name in vain, it's no big deal. Oh, if I go to the gambling hall, it's no big deal. I, I'm, I'm kind of immune to that stuff. I say, well, you're either Superman or a liar, and I don't think you have an S on your chest. We need to watch what we watch, what we read, the company we keep, the places we go. Billy Graham used to say, I stay frightened, not fearful, but frightened, because there's an enemy And he's real, and we need to stay on guard. Love this quote from Winston Churchill. We must be ready at our weakest possible moment to meet anything the enemy brings us in his strongest possible moment. And look at this definition of sin. Sin is an unexpected opportunity, an unprotected life, an undetected weakness. The Bible says, let him stand, take heed, lest he should fall. We need to be cautious. Last point, I know I'm running kind of long here, is God uses confident people. Look at Judges 7, 12 through 15. 
And listen to how big this army is. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance. And their camels were without number as the sand is on the seashore in abundance. When Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade. And he said, behold, I dreamed a dream. And behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of the Midian and came to the tent and struck so that it fell and turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. And his comrade answered, this is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped and he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. Now here's Gideon. He's a common man. He's a cleansed man. He's a courageous man. He's a cautious man. But now he needs to be a confident man. He needs to understand that God is with him. So God says, Gideon, I want you to go do a little recon. I want you to go behind enemy lines. And he hears this dream about a little piece of barley bread that comes tumbling down, destroys the tent of the Midian, and the guy says, oh, that's Gideon. Dude, we are done for. And Gideon worships, and he goes back, and he says, guys, we got him. Now, barley bread... That's poor man's bread. Ain't nothing special about barley bread. It's not vitamin enriched, whole wheat, nothing fancy about that bread. And here's here's another problem in the church today. A lot of you think you're just nothing but a piece of barley bread. And that's exactly what the devil wants. He never wants you to understand who you are, whose you are, and the power that you have in Christ. Worship team, you can come on up. God wants to take ordinary people, turn them into extraordinary people, and use them for extraordinary things so God gets all the glory and his kingdom is expanded. Now you make sure your heart's clean. Make sure you're filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no idols in your lives. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you may only be a piece of barley bread, but God's going to use you. Ladies and gentlemen, when the church wakes up and realizes the authority and the power that we have, all hell will tremble. And I'm going to tell you what, and you may not believe this, but there's dread in hell over you. I truly believe this. I want to be on a most wanted sign in hell. I want to wake up in the morning and hell go, oh, what is Ryan going to do today? I want there to be a poster that says, Ryan West, barley bread, but dangerous. Because I believe this. You can't be on the list of God's champions if you're not on the most wanted list in hell. Gideon was known in hell. True story. My youth pastor growing up, Stephen Blandino, he was young. 
a young pastor and his senior pastor came up to him and said, buddy, we got to go see a lady and, and she's demon possessed. She's being afflicted by a demon. And Stephen was like, oh boy, he'd never done anything like this before. He said he walked into that room, didn't know this lady at all. And this lady looked at her and said, we don't like Blandinos. They pray too much. Stephen Blandino was his name. And I believe that that lady named his grandmother. The Blandinos were known in hell. I want to be known in hell. Do you want victory in your life? Or is your life going to be, he was born, he lived, he died? What is your life going to ultimately count for? Will it make a difference that you lived? And don't give me that business that I'm a nobody, I'm too poor, too uneducated. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what was foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what was weak in the world to shame the strong. Now, God may not use you the way he uses somebody else. Don't you worry about that. This altar is going to be open. Maybe you're here and you're living in fear. Maybe you have unrepented, unconfessed sin in your life. You've got idols in your life. You need to take care of that today. Maybe you're here and you would say, Ryan, I've never surrendered my life fully, completely. I'm backslidden. Find someone up here. We want to help you. Would you all stand with me? Holy Spirit, I ask in the name of Jesus that you begin to move on every heart, every mind. You know where everyone stands. I pray that no one leave today without doing the business that they need to do with you. So come, Holy Spirit, move in your power. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The altar's open. Let's worship. God of this city 
You're the King of His people. You're the Lord of His nation. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. You are. There is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. so thankful that we are who he says we are. That's where our identity lies. In Christ, 
because I know it's not me, but Christ who lives in me. Lord, thank you so much that you choose, that you choose, and you say, might be barley bread, but you are mighty men and women of valor, courageous, and can be used by me. So Lord, empower your people today to be a cleansed people, courageous people, cautious people, and confident people. Because in Christ we have the victory. Thank you so much for that, Lord. Bless your people today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. This altar is still open. If you need prayer, make sure to pick up your children. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. God bless you. Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you were encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.